Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie Clementine. Today is Friday, July 28th of 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. We're expecting a scorcher here in Riverside today with a high of 104.4 degrees. So if you can, stay indoors until evening when temperatures will cool down to a still cozy 75.6. Now let's look ahead to some of the key stories we have lined up for you today. The Department of Justice is launching an investigation into the Memphis Police Department. They will be scrutinizing the department's use of force and potential discriminatory policing practices. In the finance department, Medicare is set to save billions through direct drug price negotiations. However, it's not all smooth sailing, as they may face a legal hurdle as pharmaceutical companies fight back. And on the tech scene, a new study from Facebook has shed light on the role their algorithm plays in political polarization. Stay tuned for these stories and more on Alex's News. Our top story today revolves around the Department of Justice, or DOJ, which has initiated a rather significant investigation into the practices of the Memphis Police Department, in short, the MPD. For detailed coverage, we've got our legal correspondent, Elias, with us. Hi, Connie. Yes, indeed, the DOJ has launched a considerable probe, one that seeks to uncover instances of excessive force, questionable stops and arrests, and potentially discriminatory policing by the MPD. This stems from accusations of racial bias, correct? Precisely. It appears that repeated reports of racially discriminatory stops, particularly towards black individuals for minor offenses, prompted this investigation. The ramifications of these alleged offenses are serious. They touch on potential violations of the Constitution and federal law, including potential Fourth Amendment violations. And I understand this goes beyond the isolated incidents. It does, Connie. The probe also endeavors to discover whether these are instances of systemic violations, basically a pattern of behavior that is not legal. Such behavior, if proven true, severely impacts the trust between the community and its police force, which is crucial for maintaining public safety. So. This new investigation is separate from the recent pending federal criminal civil rights investigation, right? Yes, the federal criminal civil rights investigation you're referring to was triggered by the death of 29-year-old Tyre Nichols, a black man who was severely beaten by Memphis police officers. In regards to that incident, five officers have already been fired and are currently facing charges to which they've pleaded not guilty. This new DOJ investigation, on the other hand, has a broader scope, focusing on systemic issues within the city of Memphis and the entire police department. What's been the response from local officials? Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland expressed disappointment that his attempts to discuss the issue with the Department of Justice prior to the decision were not granted. Regardless, he has pledged full cooperation with the DOJ, as has Police Chief C.J. Davis, who hopes the process will be more inclusive and transparent moving forward. There seems to be a series of these audits happening lately. There has indeed, Connie. This investigation marks the ninth of its kind instituted by the DOJ's Civil Rights Division during this administration. Past investigations have been launched into other departments such as Minneapolis Police Department following the murder of George Floyd. Before we wrap up, Elias, could you touch on some of the reactions from the community? Certainly. The investigation has prompted responses from all corners of the city. 
Shelby County's District Attorney Steve Mulroy welcomed the probe, suggesting it could help rectify systemic issues and restore public faith. Activist group, Just City 901, views this move as a validation of their assertions about a culture of violence, racial bias, and lack of accountability within the MPD. The attorneys representing Tyre Nichols's family also see this as a step towards transparency and reckoning with misuse of power within the police department. Well, thank you very much, Elias, for this comprehensive report. We'll continue our follow-ups on this developing story. Up next is our second story of the day. We're shifting gears now to a significant change in the healthcare sector with Medicare, the federal government's healthcare program for seniors. Grace, it seems we are witnessing a notable shift in the agency's approach to drug pricing with plans to negotiate directly with pharmaceutical companies. Could you provide our listeners with more details? That's right, Connie. This development is a noticeable departure from Medicare's traditional stance. Expected to save the federal government nearly $100 billion by 2031, the move will essentially cut Medicare drug prices in half. It really is a game-changer and could potentially make prescription medications more affordable for seniors. But apparently not everyone is thrilled about this. It seems some drug makers are putting up a fight. Indeed, pharmaceutical giants like Merck and Johnson & Johnson are challenging this authority in court. The crux of the matter revolves around determining what constitutes a fair price for prescription drugs. This isn't straightforward. It encompasses factors such as the feasibility of alternative treatments, societal variables like workplace productivity, reduced dependency on caregivers, as well as drug production costs. So how does Medicare's approach to price negotiation differ from other countries? It's fascinating, Connie. Unlike other countries that may rely on more quantitative methods, Medicare pursues a qualitative process specific to each drug. This method does present its challenges but could potentially result in more individualized pricing structures. Let's play devil's advocate here. What are the potential ramifications of not finding a common ground in these negotiations? If both sides don't engage in good-faith negotiations, we could see the process derailed by high counteroffers or a concerning slashing of prices. Naturally, it's essential to strike a balance between affordability and the financial viability of the pharmaceutical companies producing these medications. Our discussion wouldn't be complete without covering another significant aspect from that piece, the use of weight loss drugs in seniors. Absolutely, Connie. The article mentions drugs such as Ozempic that have been shown to help people lose weight. However, there's limited data on their safety and effectiveness in older adults. Disconcertingly, clinical trials had little representation of people over 65. Moreover, these drugs are scarcely accessible to seniors due to their high costs and lack of coverage by Medicare. Sure, but isn't there any legislative effort underway to address this? Yes, a bipartisan group of lawmakers has reintroduced the Treat and Reduce Obesity Act, aiming to require Medicare to cover weight loss drugs. But concerns over potential costs have been a roadblock in its progress. What about other factors that go into determining who needs these weight loss drugs? The article rightly augments the importance of considering factors beyond just BMI. It discusses preserving muscle mass in seniors while losing weight, advocating for aerobic exercise plus strength training. Besides, it recommends a balanced diet with sufficient protein and calcium. The data uncertainties you mentioned earlier, do they contribute to some hesitations? 
Unquestionably, while the potential benefits of weight loss drugs in seniors are accepted, the lack of comprehensive data raises concerns. This underlines the need for further research and a better understanding of the effectiveness and safety of these drugs in older adults. It sure seems like there's a lot to unpack as we approach these upcoming Medicare drug price negotiations. Thanks for walking us through that, Grace. My pleasure, Connie. It's always worthwhile to keep an eye on these ever-evolving healthcare aspects. We now move on to our third story of the day. It's an interesting look at the intersection of social media and politics. A new study conducted by Facebook in conjunction with external researchers has cast some light on how Facebook's algorithms shape political content and add to political polarization. Ethan, who specializes in this area, is here to tell us more. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks, Connie. Yes, it's a fascinating study. It was conducted using data from both Facebook and Instagram during the 2020 election. The findings indicate that conservatives and liberals generally navigate in isolated political news spheres on these platforms. Essentially, they're living in distinct information bubbles. And what's causing these bubbles, Ethan? Well, Connie, the study attributes this to the platform's algorithms that prioritize certain types of content. As a result, we see a disparity in political news consumption. Conservatives engage more with political news than liberals. So, altering the algorithm could fix this disparity? That's a good question, Connie. The study did take a look at the impact of different algorithm changes like showing posts in reverse chronological order or reducing the number of viral posts. Such alterations indeed had a sizable effect on what users saw in their feeds and had an influence on their activity on the platform. However, these changes didn't seem to directly impact users' political attitudes. This suggests that addressing political polarization is a more complex issue than merely changing up the algorithms. So why is this finding important? It broadens the ongoing discussion about how social media platforms and political polarization interact, Connie. The study underlines the role of Facebook's algorithm in creating separate conservative and liberal spheres where distinct political news is consumed. But it's important to note, the study didn't provide any easy solutions to political polarization, indicating that the problem extends beyond simple algorithm adjustments. I see. This study's part of a larger endeavor, isn't it? That's correct. This was the first collaboration between Meta, Facebook's parent company, and outside researchers to investigate social media's role in political discourse. It's a significant part of a broader project aimed at understanding the impact of social media on politics. You mentioned earlier another key finding was how the algorithm changes affected users' behavior. Could you elaborate? Absolutely, Connie. The study shows a direct correlation between alteration of the algorithm and changes to user behavior and the content they see. However, importantly, these changes didn't have a significant effect on altering their beliefs. So, while we can use algorithmic changes to some degree, it's pivotal to understand the role of social media in shaping political opinions. Fascinating. What else did the study highlight, Ethan? Well, Connie, the research unveiled that conservatives on Facebook were more likely to consume untrustworthy content. So, it's not just disparity in what kind of news is being consumed, but perhaps even the quality of it. As for algorithm changes, it's clear they play a role in what users see and engage with. But regarding whether these changes can directly impact political attitudes or polarization, that's still unclear. It seems like this isn't a problem that can be easily solved by Facebook or social media platforms alone. That's the takeaway, Connie. 
Yes. While it's clear social media platforms and their algorithms play a considerable role in shaping political discourse, addressing political polarization requires a broader view, encompassing factors beyond what's controllable by algorithm tweaks. Indeed, once again, a fascinating piece shedding light on the integration of politics and social media. Thanks for bringing this to our attention, Ethan. You're welcome, Connie. Glad to be part of this discussion. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.